1: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. My name is Tandy, and I'm host today. Um, I am joined today by Lisa, Carolyn and Katie and we're talking something that I've been confused about for so many years. So many years that I literally, I we, we're doing this topic so that I can get this thing out of my head. Uh, we're talking about the Reinheitsgebot, which is Bavarian and German purity laws it wasn't just one law it was a number of them but what we might all know as you know the the laws that governed German brewing ingredients and we'll get into a little bit of the context on that but I guess before we do let's just do a quick round the houses let's just you know get what we're drinking and get the reminder to like and subscribe and follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter we're at Beer Ladies Pod pretty much everywhere. And you can even buy us a beer at Buy Coffee forward slash Beer Ladies Podcast. And we'd really appreciate that. And if you haven't already, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which you can also find at Beer Ladies Podcast. Um very simple, go subscribe and you can even watch us and you might even see Lisa's really awesome hat and off bra House t shirt in this episode right Oh, Okay, so let's start with what you're drinking, and then we'll learn a little bit more about the Reinheitschebot. And Germans, please don't come at me if I'm saying it wrong. I'm trying my best. <laughs> All right, Lisa, let's start with you and your hat and your shirt.
2: Yeah. So I, I am on, on theme today. I've got the Hofbrau Oktoberfest. So, it, you know, it's probably a, a little bit not quite as fresh as it should be because it's been, uh, frankly, sitting in the back of my fridge for a while. But, uh, you know, I've, I've just poured out. It's still a glorious, lovely you know, lovely sort of straw golden color. Very happy with
1: it. Wonderful. Carolyn, what have you got today, friend?
2: I have a
3: live oak. They are out of Austin, Texas, and it's a Weisenbach.
1: And nice. Mm. Very good. Very good and dark. Oh, it is dark. You're it right. is. For those watchings, lovely.
4: I am drinking a Rothaus Hefeweizen, another German, mm. from, it just says, Rothaus im Schwarzwald. So there we go in the Black Forest.
1: Wonderful. And myself, I have got the classic of the Weiss beer stable. I've got Francis Kana, um, the, the the Hefeweizen. And um, Francis Kana was one of those brands. I actually I wasn't really sure that I liked Weiss at the beginning of my craft beer journey in air quotes. Um, but the, the Francis Kanner Dunkel was the, the mm. best beer probably that i've had in such a long time and it got me into the flavors of vice beer and um, and now whenever i see a francis Kahn, i can't help it i just must have them and it's very creamy and very delicious and it's a it's a commonly drank beer in this house anyway so cheers everybody or prost 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 prost, prost. right okay so basically we're here to learn a little bit more about the Reinheitsgebot, which is, I think I think the, mo- the the biggest thing that's weird to me, and we'll get into it, but the biggest thing that's weird to me is that it's called Bavarian purity law, German purity law, but they're not always kind of the same thing. But the basic thing, when it was brought in, and Lisa, I'm sure you're going to tell me that it was sooner than this, but this, the first mention I could find was 1516, and it was a law that governed uh, beer brewing, which allowed only uh, barley, so malted barley, water, and hops. Now, if you've been listening along to our series, um, our series on on ingredients, and if you know a little bit about beer, there's a really key ingredient that's missing there, and that is yeast. And um, and I I guess what I'd read anyway, but I'm sure Lisa will tell us more, is that it was kind of assumed that yeast was part of making beer, so it wasn't listed explicitly as an ingredient. But it started out. So the report started out. Um, probably partly due to trying to fix um, prices and supply of different ingredients across Bavaria and Germany. So if you think about it, malted barley is the biggest grain that is used in beer making even till this day. But there's many other grains that are used, for instance, wheat and rye. Now, as I understand it, the Reinhardtsgebot banned wheat and rye in beer so that there was enough supply for bread makers, because those are very common bread grains. Now, I think we'll probably go through a little bit of, you know, how the Reinheitsgebot started and where it ended off and, you know, all the bits in between. But as far as I know, it governed all beer, and then it changed to only lagered beer, so only bottom fermenting beer. um, And then it was in, then yeast was eventually added. So then it became four ingredients, not three. Um, and then it started to allow other natural ingredients. So other things that can be found uh, in top fermented beers, which give us vice and other kinds of beer, which, um, you know, made it, I guess, more relaxed. But now, guys, I don't know that much about it, which is why we're here. And we're going to learn from the experts. So Lisa, holy crap, man, please enlighten us about the <laughs> Reinheitsgebot and where this even came from
2: no what you're you're right that you know 1516 is the date that that tends to get thrown around but you're also absolutely correct that this is Bavaria we're talking about this is not all of Germany a unified Germany is not going to exist for several hundred years and what is and is not Bavaria is also changing a lot at this point there's always you know Little little bits and pieces coming in and and going out, but I think you you hit on something really important. Before there, where you know, I think it's you. I I saw, and we'll we'll put this in in the show notes somewhere. But I saw a link saying you know it's a bread protection law rather than a beer protection law, and that's absolutely correct. It's not about we want to brew the best beer so that people know they're getting top quality. Like there's nothing really about quality at this point. This is all something that's kind of a. A sort of back formation, if you like. We'll we'll get into a little bit how that changes in kind of the, the 19th and 20th century to sort of fixate on this idea that it has something to do with quality, but it's really, like you said, it's about fixing prices. It's about making sure there's a supply of wheat for, you know, for making bread, all of those good things. We don't want people to starve, but it is also too about fixing the prices of beer too as it goes in and out so it's really about trade it's really about sort of import export and again we're talking exporting from maybe bavaria into you know another part of what would eventually become germany or you know we're talking small distances at this point but it's you know again it's it's very much about you know uh, making sure that we have the wheat or, you know so so that you can make the bread and i think it's interesting so many of you have a vice beer or related because that's not here at all and and it's it's interesting too that the Reinheitsgebot does change over time so it's not this sort of static thing as much as people like to sort of point to it and and I think we've probably all been in a I'll say not not a real German bar necessarily but a German themed bar well there will be the Reinheitsgebot in German on the wall as if it's this sort of you know handed down you know from the mountain kind of a thing and it changes a lot you know that it goes back and forth and it's um you know in the 17th century you do start to say oh you you can use wheat in some cases but again you're still talking about this very limited uh scope of influence if you like and where it does get interesting later is and we, we, i think we'll get into this a little bit when german unification does happen it is the bavarian beer makers who are pushing for this to be sort of imposed if you like on the rest of germany And and i think there's a there's probably an argument there over you know did that sort of impact what was available then and how people brewed because we also know that by that point again we fast forwarded a couple hundred years that uh, people are doing a lot of different things there are a lot of different techniques and what does it mean to all of those that you know are there some of those sort of getting shoved out of the way but again i think we'll we'll get back to that cuz i think there's there's so many little sort of bits and pieces to to unpick that it's uh, you know it's, it's not a simple thing as much as people like to point to it and say look words they've, they've never changed and of course they have so.
4: <laughs> and I think it's interesting like because Belgium has such a, a different uh, beer heritage I suppose and it borders part of I suppose after Bavaria it, it borders currently what we would call Germany <laughs> but obviously yeah, it wasn't initially part of Bavaria so that region of Germany would have come under the Reinheitsgebolt in what, like the 1800s, the late 1800s?
2: Yeah, and you certainly wouldn't be able to make like, you know, a, a wit beer or, or anything like that if you're strictly following even the, the updated versions of it. And, and again, I think it's a really important point about the yeast is even though they don't call it out, the brewers at this time, and especially certainly once we get into the 19th century, are very much aware of, you know, you need to kind of keep your your, your starter effectively like you would with sourdough. They know that, you know, it's not magic. This is an an ingredient. This is something that they have to maintain and look after, but it's not mentioned. So it, mm. it is a really interesting thing. So I'm wondering if they're treating it something
4: like a catalyst, like it's used in the making, but it's not consumed in the
2: making. Oh, that's you know what an I mean? interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. But it, it also gets into an interesting thing on kind of the semantics of it, because it doesn't explicitly say you can't brew these other things, but later, as again, as it evolves, you just can't call them beer. So it's, you know, I think we see that today with kind of malt liquor and things like that, where you can't call it beer because it's too strong or, or again, whatever the particular criteria we're using is. But it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thing that people all have always found ways around, but it depends, was there there a market for it?
4: Yeah, I remember being in um, Berlin about... I'm going to say about 10 years ago Anna. I was asking for craft beer and they're saying, well, we don't have much craft beer, but we have all this craft ale.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. And you think, you know, too, like, again, with sort of the, the changing borders that, um, you know, even if we're thinking about like just Bavaria, like Nuremberg, Bamberg, places like that are not part of Bavaria. And then of course they have very distinct beer styles that would not necessarily Uh, be uh, up to snuff if if you like if they were going strictly by the book even you know taking the the yeast to one side so it's it's really really interesting to say you know to kind of look and see like to what extent did people pay attention to it and really what was kind of the the mechanism for enforcing some of this like you know there's no well i've not found in english anyway good primary sources that talk about people either being inspected or you know which must have happened they must have had ale tasters or beer tasters or things like that that you find in other places but and, and i'm sure there are good sources in german that i've just not come across although i did try so i'll get to some stuff that i sloppily google translated uh, later but i think it's a really interesting question of like how much of this is there a law because they were you know people were doing things that people didn't like so it's you know it, it sort of did it change behavior maybe maybe not and i'm wondering could you could you like
4: apply for exemptions and things um, like that that'd be interesting to find out as well like could you say, hey, my family have a recipe? Like even back in what was it, 1516? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could you say, Well, my family recipe has always used I don't know. Throw me an ingredient. Orange.
1: Or orange whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly.
4: You know, can I can I do that? Or Rauch beer? I mean, what's consumed yeah. in that? Is it just smoky? Is it the same beer and smoke isn't really or the well, the malt would have been
1: is, smoked, so yeah, may, maybe that's maybe yeah. maybe that almost um, is one of the ways that that brewers would have been quite inventive with using only those three ingredients or four, depending on which time period you're talking about. And rather than looking at ingredients, looking at method and the way that you treat your ingredients as a way to differentiate. actually, Lisa, I wonder, I wonder if you've got any views on that because you know, there's. There's different styles of beer that come from different parts of what we now call Germany. Um, yeah. and, and obviously, different regions of what we now call Germany were different regions back then. But, you know, how do we how does it track, you know, in terms of the beer styles that we know, which beers come from the regions that would have been Reinheitsgebotland, for lack of a better term? Yeah. Um, and which which are outside of that?
2: You see, that, that, that's a really interesting question, and I don't think I know the answer to it, but I think, you know, you can certainly take a look at, at sort of what, what has evolved elsewhere, and I think, you know, even, even, and this is probably slightly unfair, but even if you, you go to Munich, Or, you know, what is still Bavaria today, things are closed on Sunday, it can still be very conservative. And, you know, compared to, you know, like Berlin or somewhere different, like, where I I feel like so many of the, you know, what we would call kind of modern air quote craft brewers in Germany do tend to be in Berlin, they tend to be from northern Germany, they're not coming from kind of the the traditional sort of, you know, Bavarian heartland, that's not to say there aren't any, but they do tend to not be there. And is it still kind of that lingering... um, you know sort of is it because of the Reinheitsgebot or is it just that it's a conservative area relatively speaking so mm. I don't know but but it's it's also interesting too how some of those other traditional styles that maybe would have sort of fallen afoul if you like of, of the Reinheitsgebot that were again outside its traditional if you like area of influence almost died out like you know like a Goza or, or things like that you know um, that have only been revived because someone thought it was interesting and was that related or, you know, you know? I, and again, I think there is probably a real conversation to be had over to what extent did it kind of, you know, put a stake in the ground for German beer and say this far, but no for, no, no further forward, they must all be, you know, uh, this this beautiful bright lager or even a dark lager, you know, whichever mm. direction, but, uh, which again, which is not to say that that's what it says in the law because it doesn't, but, you know, to think about the impact it must've had. But But again, I think a lot of this is less to do with the law although again there is I think a big impact with it around sort of German unification but if you look at kind of the the marketing of the Reinheitsgebot when it sort of comes into its own in the 1950s that's I think maybe what has driven that sort of um again almost stagnation up until maybe the last 10 years.
1: Mm. So if I'm understanding you know the way that it came in was to regulate uh, ingredient prices for um, bread makers and brewers and everybody alike. But it wasn't, or as we know, it wasn't really as enforced as what we might think. But really, it's almost more of a modern notion, somewhat modern.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or at well, least I think it's that's... More,
1: taken more seriously in a modern sense.
2: I think absolutely because I, you know I did go through and read some of the sources in in German again as far as I could. And we'll, we'll link to these. In the show notes that you you first have it referred to um you know in sort of that that very uh way as the sort of you know beer purity law that doesn't happen until i'm just looking up the exact year uh 1918 so that's an entirely you know modern kind of spin on it and you don't have um you, you know that doesn't even sort of come up in other in kind of any other context until then again the 1950s when it's all about the marketing when they're like ah it was ever thus and Mm. and but I think what's so interesting about that is that again this is starting off as probably something very regional in terms of the marketing that this is what we do in Germany we've always done it that way but then and and this is just kind of me making this up in my head but I think there's something to this that may, may may warrant further research is then that gets applied to all of your macro loggers in america australia where they're like oh well they've always done it this way that's what we do guys even though of course that's yeah well actually, but, i got an article
3: about that yeah. on npr actually this is 2016 ah. so um but they uh bre- a brewer berlin berg said they were in the u.s and australia and they were like they decided to come back to germany and make different beers and they have actually used these purity laws because Germans don't want what Americans or right. what we're drinking. They want the, the the purity law still in place still. So I think it's a little bit interesting that like even though this thing is five hundred years old plus, people still want what well, was made 500 years ago yeah. or something similar to it. They don't or want Or at least they've been told this...
2: they want that. Yes, right. exactly. They don't exactly. want all this
3: sours or goses or whatever. Like they don't want all yeah. the double hop IPAs. They want
4: just a very simple beer. But, 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 but a double hop IPA is allowed, right? Because you can right. have a much hop that you, you want.
2: Could. True, and true. There, there, is, there, is two, there is a distinction, again, depending on when you're looking at at, at the law the law um, (laughs) of, uh, you know, to what extent, you know, it's more worried about your top fermenting beers versus your bottom fermenting beers and how do they count? So you could absolutely make an IPA, you know, again, if you're following the right, you know, almost sort of choose your own adventure route that counts, but, you know, again, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. And I think one of the things I read that was, was so interesting was that, you know um, so many German trained brewers once they move somewhere else, again, whether that's Belgium or maybe here or to, you know, to, to the States, they stop doing a lot of those things. They're like, you know, we, we don't have to do this. We can still make clean, right. straightforward beers, but we don't have to sort of do quite as many um, sort of unnecessary steps, if you like. Now, again, that doesn't mean that those aren't necessarily important in some cases, but it's, it's interesting that a lot of people are like, but you can get the same result without... Yeah. Well,
3: yeah, I just think it's interesting. And they actually have a quote from like a local German guy. And he said, like, a German wants his beer made according to the purity laws. He goes, when I go on vacation, I drink wine. So like, you know, (laughs) I just thought that was a fun and interesting quote. And like, even though these things were set 500 years ago, people still want... What was made 500 years ago, so I
2: don't know. I just thought it was very
3: interesting. Yeah, or have decided mm.
2: since they were told in the 1950s exactly. that that's what they wanted. Yeah. That yeah, yeah and I just and that's I think so interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, I just thought it was a very interesting article. Um, and we'll obviously link it in the show notes. But I just thought it was a very interesting article about what it is today and how it affects.
1: You know, I just I just find it like a little weird because exactly as you said, Katie, like, de- okay, depending on whether we're talking about lager styles, the bottom fermenting or ale styles, top fermenting, but literally most beer in the world is made from exactly four ingredients. It's, I mean, you could have so many varieties just with those four ingredients that you wouldn't even need to write a law about it. I think what, you know, what was interesting to me about the Reinheitsgebot at this initially was the exclusion or at least the deliberate inclusion of only barley. Um, and I know a change to be malted grains and not just malted barley. And I think that was probably quite an important mm. change in the brewing scene. But I, I think that was what what uh, weirded me out, I guess, because we get beers like a Weiss beer, which is firstly top fermenting. So it's an ale. But secondly, it's made with wheat, at least 50 percent wheat. So how did that come about? Or was that just the exception or was it from a different part of Germany? You know, wh- where did these kinds of beers come from?
2: then? Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, I think it's such a good question is how did they, you know, I think the first the first part is probably, yes, they were outside the area of influence initially,
0: mm-hmm. but then,
2: because um, again, it doesn't start applying to all of Germany, depending on what we mean by Germany until, you know, German unification. I mean, we're talking, you know, end of the 19th century is when this starts to really be meaningful to people in other parts of Germany. Although what's also interesting is it does come up again, not just because of this sort of, you know, legal of all of these different sort of regions coming together but because of what's happening um across really across europe in the, sort of the industrialization of brewing is you have brewers um you know from some of the starting to be bigger german breweries going to especially england to sort of say oh what are they doing they've got a lot going on and it's really doing some industrial esp- espionage like it's actually pretty interesting that um y- you know they start to say oh well, we have to protect our German beer against, you know, people that might be, uh, you you know, making pale imitations, if you like, because again, we're starting to see people sell internationally. And this is, you know, where you really are starting to get people figuring out too, like, how the yeast really works, all the stuff going on in, you know, in Denmark with Carlsberg and and so on and so forth. But I found this, 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 this really great sort of factoid, and I'm just going to have to sort of uh, go back and and translate it here because it's, uh, it's so interesting because it's all about this kind of again this industrialization and how how it sort of fits in with this kind of medieval frankly worldview but uh, Gabriel uh, Sedelmeyer who uh, you know also kind of invents which I'm putting in air quotes uh, Mertzen malt and Mertzen as kind of a packaged beer if you like he's been traveling around England taking notes and he's kind of figuring out like what's happening in their big industrial breweries as they're kind of coming together but He starts to sort of freak out basically that, that, you know, the English are overtaking, you know, the entire European beer market uh, because they've figured out a lot of things about transportation, you know, sort of, um, you know, keeping things clean, sanitation, all of these things. But that is actually one of the things that um, gets, you know, sort of, he sort of plants the seed and he, he, uh, he sort of comes back and, This is one of the things, because he's, you know, consulting with sort of, um, you you know, your politicos and so on. So between 1871, and he's sort of, you know, trip-topping around Europe uh, in kind of the 1860s, 70s, between 1871 and 1906 is when the law starts to apply across Germany. So that's really, you you know, not necessarily a result of like, ah, we make this good beer, we must protect it, but kind of more about corporations than the companies. Mm. So I think that's really really interesting but again people kind of you know sort of overlook that in in terms of it has to come like oh it's national pride it's like well no they're actually just kind of protecting their their individual business so it's pretty interesting it's interesting
1: it's weird because it it, it pairs with the fact that whoever took this on as like a marketing project did really really well (laughs) absolutely it's yeah. like it's the biggest bullshit claim i've ever seen in my whole life like and, only made with four ingredients as if I other think... beer is made with other stuff
2: but if they just... even reference potato beer as being especially bad i'm like who was making potato beer come on now like, well obviously yeah. the
4: irish were come on <laughs> who has to be making potato beer
2: i've seen i don't know i beer. have no but for real like i'm like who was doing this no one yeah doing this. <laughs> no, yeah
1: weird. and i gosh. guess oh go ahead no, but like it, 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 it feels like people, people knew, actually, that everybody else, everybody else in the world was using those exact same ingredients, but they wanted to almost make it seem more, I don't know, pure, special, sacred, yeah. whatever the case it,
4: is. It seems to be like snobbery in a way, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, ooh, our beer well, is better. Yeah, and definitely. then I'm wondering, are there levels of snobbery? like yeah. is there somebody that's like you know what I just use natural water I don't even like right. <laughs> the water or, with salt, or yeah
3: or could it be I'll drink a beer from that region but I won't drink a beer from that region like yeah, I don't know I, could it, it be very like oh I'll drink a beer from that city but that city's beer is terrible like could it have gotten down to like yeah per what? city like well, what, what, what would you drink yeah, I guess what Absolutely. Are, you, are you gonna drink that beer? I, that yeah, it's, is
2: it very regional. It's almost like drink local, but but not quite. Yeah, right. I think there's an interesting too sort of you know the the cultural context is this pops up whenever there's sort of big upheavals, if you like, because we first really see it. You know, we first again hear the, just the term you know beer purity law during the Weimar Republic when there's all kinds going on. I mean, you know, it's it's not like people are like, I really hope this is the best beer I can get from Bavaria. There's all sorts of stuff going on but then you know obviously some other things happen um you know for a while and then in the 50s you know post-war you know is when we really see this coming as kind of a marketing thing and so i wonder to what extent it's trying to kind of uh build on a sort of let's say sort of healthier you know worldview because obviously everyone's recovering from stuff that happened how do you sort of rebuild you know any german product frankly but in you know 1950 say as something that the rest of the world is going to be excited about and I think by hearkening back to something you know that has the sort of you know sheen of a medieval past but you know like let's be real like it's not a great time to be alive but you know it, it makes it sort of sound knights you know ye olde, right. it's it, it sort of harkens back and then when you tie it together with this idea of sort of pure food and drink which again sort of in the 50s is almost kind of going away in other places where you know you look like north america where it's like microwave food or not quite microwave but tv Bam. dinner early yeah. on spam yeah exactly yeah. like it's a really interesting thing where of course if you're you know in germany you're like well i don't want this crappy american beer you know no like it hadn't, yeah. hadn't gotten good I'm yet won- so yeah
4: i'm wondering if a lot of like um i, I like the way that you said there a thing happened <laughs> <laughs> Like there would have been a lot of, we'll say, America, a lot of American and British people in Germany post-war, yeah. and I'm wondering if they didn't, they were like, oh, this beer tastes okay, or this beer tastes nice, and it's like, yeah, and so then someone says, oh, they like the beer, let's let's up our beer, and yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, like what, if it was a thing that worked, and, and I do think you know you can certainly you know paint the picture that that does plant the seeds for the eventual sort of. Craft beer revolution to, to kick off because it's always people who are like, oh, I did, you know, I was in the army in Germany and discovered beer could be good. And, you know, and then they go back to the States or, or to Britain or wherever and are like, ooh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting, interesting thought. Although again, I think some of that stuff, you know, some of those beers that would have been good would not be sort of Reinheitsgebot good, but compliant. So it's an interesting, it's still mm. an interesting dichotomy. Although I think what one one other thing that has just come back into my head is. Uh, the Reinhardt's is sort of written and signed, the original one in Ingolstadt, which is where Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is set. So I think there's maybe something there too, just to kind of take on that kind of very sort of dark European kind of uh, vibe about it. And, and I think you can make a terrible, terrible sort of, you know, analogy that it did become this sort of Frankenstein's monster of a thing that is just out there yeah. that people think they know about, but you know where they'll you know, and you're like, no, it's the monster. He's the doctor. Yeah. That well, a, and, very good and, and analogy well, or
4: connection, I almost,
3: like it. Yeah. almost yeah, almost. And, and I also think it's interesting that some people still think it should apply today. And like, yeah. should, with with the amount of beer and people doing new things with beer, it's just uh, it's not a bad thing. It just surprises me that right. people would still think that like, oh no, like. RB or not everyone, but like some people are like, oh no, our beer is way better than this crap
2: yeah. that you're drinking. But well, again, uh, yeah, triumph of marketing, really. Like if, if yeah. people have been convinced about this sort of purity, again, these these very kind of, you know, the virtues associated with it are so interesting where it, it also again ties back to, oh, it's you know, it's food. It's not just, you know, having a right. drink of an mm. evening, which which again is not necessarily untrue, but it's it's yeah. interesting that it's it's tied up with all of these things that are sort of half truths. Uh, but again, that's the, all the best marketing, right. Is really, you know, getting that emotional connection. So. so it's, true. No, it's good. Good job. Marketers.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great job marketing as usual. I mean, mark, marketing is responsible for the best <laughs> things in the world, but I mean, it's fascinating to me because I saw there that there was a court ruling in 2005. I mean, that's very recent, yeah. and, you know, German brewers could use effectively whatever they wanted in their beer, but they just can't label it as beer unless yeah. it only has those four ingredients. Now, remember, it changed to malted grains, so not just malted barley, but water hops yeast. But I mean, that's fascinating to me. So now we can't call it beer if it's brewed in Germany and it has a slice of orange peel in it. So
3: what do they call right. it? Like a radler, or like what? Yeah, I'm maybe curious. What maybe... What do they call it now if they can't call it beer what are they calling it
4: well maybe that's where <laughs> they've come up, yeah. up with their names like a rattler or this is a colch it's not a beer or is called yeah. a oh, is beer
1: a bit, no colch is very much a protected beer there so it's uh, that that one that one adheres
4: quite okay. strictly
1: even yeah. or, well i yeah. guess i yeah, guess
3: maybe yeah. more like a rattler i don't know i'm just throwing that out there because that's the only thing i can think of that would make sense
1: mm. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it would be called, but I saw that one of the exceptions that are allowed is for gluten-free beer. So because you'd, oh. um, you, you'd use different ingredients, you might use a lot of rice or um, maybe corn. I'm not sure. Yeah. There's no gluten in corn. So maybe you could use a bit of corn. So, I mean, those would be exceptions. It can still be called beer, but because it's gluten-free, it won't have barley and, and wheat. Or
3: maybe they're using potatoes.
1: <laughs> you, you see now if we're going to if we're going to even define beer like are we going to say as as it should be said that it needs grains as the base as opposed to fruit or vegetables which would make cider or wine or spirits or a, a number of other things right I mean
2: yeah no it's, it's a good question and in fact I, I think one of the things that I thought was entertaining in the in the Wikipedia. Um, you know, article where where it's you know it's it's uh, saying oh well maybe one reason it this happened is you know to suppress the use of plants that were used in pagan rituals such as <laughs> henbane belladonna wormwood I'm like witches. this was not well, I know which is like, guys this was not happening in Bavaria in 1516 there was not some kind of pagan survival it's a lovely idea it wasn't happening but I think it is interesting that you could also use some of those ingredients though it, you, you know it, essentially potentially in kind of sort of birth control type things you know you you could also induce an abortion with some of these ingredients so maybe they weren't it wasn't about pagan ideas but they're like women are up to something we're gonna (laughs) put the kibosh on this so
1: but but are we right in saying though because this is something that i read but i wanted to check are we right in saying though that the the purity laws with the bavarian side of the purity laws i guess came from um, something that was a lot more uh was it roman catholic as opposed to the protestants and the rest of germany yeah there's a, there's right. a,
2: absolutely a big difference there yeah because that that's because you know northern germany you've got all lutherans doing their thing although again we're talking just before luther you this know is, yeah, when, when this comes in. but you know it's it's kind of there on you know it's it's in the zeitgeist as it were i i used a german word i used a german <laughs> word but but again it is interesting is that you do have you know this idea that you know southern germany is getting catholic more conservative even before the sort of actual reformation happens but then once it does happen you know they a lot of these things i do think this was interesting where they're saying oh well beers from northern germany often contain additives that couldn't be grown in Bavaria." they're like oh no that doesn't count sorry not here lads so it's it's an interesting <laughs> you know it's clearly protectionist but it's sort of framed as this very um uh sort of I guess a sort of paternalistic, really, thing. So very Mm. interesting. There's a lot to unpack.
3: Mm.
1: What's interesting to me is, you know, I think if most people think of Germany and beer, you'll think of a variety of styles. You won't think of a country that maybe felt a little bit uh, restricted by these kinds yeah. of rules um, and yet it didn't develop in the same way that let's say craft brewing in the states or in england or anywhere else developed so it 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 didn't follow the same path even though it was technically allowed the same ingredients so what on earth is that about
2: yeah it's such an interesting question because like you say even if you you know you you, you look at you know neighbors in say germany or, or sorry in, in belgium where it's all happening so much variety and then sort of in in germany it, it seems much more again stayed rule following which which again you you, you play national stereotypes which is unfair but it is an interesting you know it, it is interesting and i think to what extent is that still sort of driven by the, the kind of economics of you know that like where they're sort of very protectionist or or other you know kind of policies that led to saying well this sells let's just stick with this versus letting people or, or encouraging maybe people to experiment and I think too there is probably a difference between you know Germany really industrializes brewing it all is still much smaller not all but most is still much smaller sort of more localized in Belgium where you know you have every sort of town and village doing their own thing uh you know it still is kind of much more of a cottage industry whereas you know Germany sort of is like oh we can We can, you know, we can have railways and make this all work and get this stuff everywhere. So I I wonder if it's a combination of of those two things. And then Mm. once they realize they can use this as a marketing tool as well, start slapping on, you know, bottles and (laughs) be like, look, we did the thing. And um, do any other countries have
4: or have they had strict brewing laws like that? I wonder, or anything like that.
2: Good question. I don't know offhand. I, I do know that there were other things that did predate the Reinheitsgebot that, again, were very regional, very, you know, very sort of small. I mean, there are certainly antecedents in Scandinavia, but again, we're talking Viking period. This is not kind of something we would necessarily be able to say, yes, we know those ingredients and, you know, what they were, but that's that's an interesting question. All well, the Viking ones are fascinating. but
1: But as I understand some breweries in some countries that were not in Germany or surrounds even adopted the Reinhardt's Gebot for themselves,
2: yeah. which is, again,
1: a crazy marketing win. <laughs> but but why on earth would breweries outside of Bavaria or outside of Germany, like, even adopt this? But I mean, even Vintuk breweries in Namibia um, yeah. Yeah, claim to be like Reinhardt's Gebot compliant. I mean...
4: But Namibia was a German colony. That's true. So- I'm that's sure true. a lot of that came from
2: mm. no the colonial overmaster right. is saying yeah, this is and I think you see, see that in, in Argentina as well. There are certain places that had a lot of immigrants, and you know from Germany, and that's probably you know it, they recognized it as a sort of you know brand from home, if you like.
1: Mm. Yeah, so I mean that one might make sense, um, but I'd, I'd seen I think somewhere in one of these articles that even a brewery in China was a, a Tsingtao. Um, claims to follow the Reinhardt robot. I mean <laughs> But I mean but I mean inadvertently everybody's generally following it unless you're adding donuts yeah. to your
2: Yeah, beer. <laughs> It's just
4: that <laughs> you're not
1: putting it on your bottle.
4: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, or lucky charms.
3: Yeah. Like, no lucky hey, charms. Sorry. <laughs> the u.s does some interesting stuff with beer so
2: (laughs) that that is true i well i did have the i did have the the lock gill uh chucky larms uh beer (laughs) which was very interesting and uh yeah i've had a couple of them now but you know you're you're right though and and i can definitely think of some in in both the us and canada that make it a big selling point of oh we we do the thing but i I think it's also interesting that i think some of them that really do kind of you know sort of wave that banner are doing nothing of the sort because they've got all that rice in there. So it's, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. You know, some are just like, you know, no, sure. It's true. Well, why wouldn't it be You're like, well, okay. Like <laughs> so rice
1: and corn. Are they, they're yeah. just, are, are they the blind spots of the run? Because like,
2: now they're grain, right? So mm-hmm. it's all grain. Are they yeah. malted? I don't know. That's don't know. a good question. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, there's a whole other discussion there on sort of the historical use in North America of, of, Corn especially and why that was mm. why it's not a bad thing in, in air quotes and why adjuncts can be perfectly good. Um, but it's but it doesn't yeah, you know, it doesn't fit that whole narrative at the same time.
1: Yeah. So, mm. I'm
2: well, sure. Hmm. I'm sorry, I sorry, this just popped up. It says
3: five things you didn't know about the I'm gonna butcher it. So <laughs> the
1: runner. <run-out laughs> say, yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: it says Many traditional German beers do not follow the original Bavarian purity laws as an example, a Hefeweizen. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's Absolutely.
1: it's like half of the styles that we know from Germany don't follow the original version of the law. So that's yeah. why so that's why I was always really confused about this thing. Um, because yeah. like the beers that we know are German or German styles, and the law that is supposedly governing uh, uh, beer production like they don't square up i guess yeah. now knowing that it changed you know to be malted grains not just malted barley but it's still i mean i i
3: just think it's, it's still a- very present law yeah. to some people i guess like yeah. I,
2: oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know how else to put that <laughs> yeah no i think that's a good way of, of thinking about it yeah and, and certainly like if you go to munich you know that they have sort of you know big signs out in you know Um, where where the Oktoberfest happens to be like look we have the thing yay yeah even though but but again you know certainly you know your key Munich breweries are are 100% doing it but I also I I wonder to what extent and I think I would love to sort of dive into their archives and find out more because I suspect it's all sort of Spaten who kind of made this happen as a as a sort of marketing thing oh so about
3: craft beer styles they are forced to label their creation as ales or malt beverages
1: uh-huh oh, we go. so there's our
3: is... answer that's right there, ale so... there's our answer so that's how we probably got ale in montpelier yeah or...
2: no that makes sense and definitely when i get you know the the sort of bizarre stuff from berlin that pops up in shops here in dublin from from time to time i have noticed some of them are labeled in a very unique way yeah. so so yeah. there's <laughs> our answer to the question we
3: asked a little while ago <laughs>
1: But it's amazing because there, there was clearly nothing wrong with German ingenuity and German creativity. Because you know the types of beers that we have gotten from Germany over the years are amazing. I mean, Absolutely. it's we're not just talking about one kind of lager in the whole world. You know, we're talking about all the alt beers and the Weizenbocks and the Meadsens and the Dunkels and the and the Schwarz beers and the, like there's so many different kinds.
2: And even if they only include three or four ingredients. I mean, it's incredible what people can do. Yeah, look at all you can do with that. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think Bach is having a moment, I think Mm. uh, just now in the same way that that mild is in in kind of, uh, you know, sort of um, in a couple of different places. I think Bach is also having that both in in sort of, well, maybe more in North America than actually in Germany. But I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's such a great beer. And again, perfect week when it's been a really cold spring, like, oh, you know, lovely to have a Bach and just feel a little... Warmer and look at some cute pictures of goats on it. I was going to say, like,
1: buy them for the goats. If 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 nothing else, (laughs) I'm such a fan of goats.
2: (laughs) I know the the goats are adorable.
3: We love German beer, guys. We don't hate German beer, by the way. We love it. We're all. I'm
4: on my second one, and it's a school night. So come on, (laughs) it's half term. It doesn't count. It's all good. I still have to get up for work in the morning. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) take it off. Well, actually, I have Thursday and Friday off this week. Oh, there you
2: are. There you are. are.
4: All good. um, I've been doing
1: a, a bit of research myself. (laughs) So,
4: there we go. <laughs> and I would wonder you know that amazing classic movie that everybody has to watch Beerfest. And the all Have you not seen this Tandy?
1: No.
3: I have not seen it. It's been on my it's been on my list for a long time. I just keep on forgetting that it exists this sounds like
4: okay. a teenage well, movie I am just it yeah. is a bit of a teenage okay. movie but <laughs> okay. still, it's so good it's so good it's fine they had they go looking for Gam Gam's recipe for her beer and I'm I'm hoping that it's a Reinheitsgebot because it's a family recipe all the way from, oh. from from Germany that they yeah they have to brew for the for the competition isn't it for the oh no yeah so. yeah yeah there yeah. it
3: is I'll, I'll have to is. find it
4: it's of sounds... I love they no, do the beer no. olympics in a yes. kind of that, and it's it's so it's so good. They have to go through like they have to go to Munich where the Oktoberfest is going on but really behind the scenes. Yeah, there's this, yeah. there's this secret brewing game, drinking games and you have like the Irish team and you have like, <laughs> Scandinavian teams and the British and they're all like they do like the, they have to do the boot is that's the one yeah, yeah. and they have that's you know good. like the, the boat where you you do it put it on your head and the next person drinks so they have all these beer pong so they have to p- take part in all of these like, these games so they're obviously on the american team but uh yeah it's really really fun it's uh it's not. A, it's not a historical. Um, no,
2: uh, <laughs> but you know, it's what, you know what it's. Interest. You know what it's good for is. Uh, it's a good uh, as part of a double bill if you're warming up for Eurovision. Just saying. Fire just saga. previewing. Just previewing for people. We will of course have another Eurovision episode in a few weeks' time. But That's yes. Straight. And
4: Can I just say that my favorite entry so far has qualified at the weekend yes. before we recorded this.
2: Yes. Is yes. it Norway? Yeah. Oh God, I love it
4: give the wolf a banana
1: that song say. is okay that's mad guys <laughs> you're going to have to you're going to have to tune in for eurovision craziness um, because the this this particular beer ladies cohort we're, we're generally obsessed with with eurovision and all of the drama <laughs> and all of the all of the pizzazz that comes with it
2: <laughs> absolutely all the sparkles all the costumes being ripped off we, we are here for it So we're just you know we're, we're letting you know now mm-hmm. be prepared eurovision is
1: coming It is coming.
2: And Carolyn,
1: you won't even be left out for that long since the States is doing a Eurovision at some stage too.
3: Oh yeah. I'll see how that goes. That'll (laughs) be interesting. I'm
1: totally gonna be watching with popcorn. Are you kidding me? It's gonna be amazing.
3: Wait, Kelly Clarkson. Oh oh, yes. This is gonna be magical. With Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson, like I love both (laughs) of them. This is gonna be like like Snoop Dogg's gonna be like well we already know right. and, <laughs> and kelly clarkson is a very loud personality so i'm curious not in a bad way in a good way yeah. i love her uh um,
4: an aries like me right it'll I be interesting
3: it'll be interesting to see those two together so now na- now i'm actually curious i there did not go. know this
4: <laughs> and i'm wondering what what are the kind of musics that they're gonna have i just sorry we're on everything the there
1: yeah. Total segue. But hey, listen, Germany also produces some very interesting Eurovision entries. Last year was particularly cool. Yes. <laughs> and uh no, we'll we'll just continue with all of that now. But
4: guys oh, but you the, you had yeah. to love Jendrick. He didn't he didn't poll very well, but you know
0: <laughs> No. He tried. Was.
4: He tried. Yeah,
1: he tried. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, is there anything else now on the Reinheitsgebot or purity laws in general that we have missed out? Is there anything that our, our, our folks listening at home will need to know before we leave this?
2: It's a good question. I think there's just, so, I think that the big question is again, who, who sort of perpetuated all this starting in the 1950s? That's what I would love to know more about. Again, if it were here, you could go to you know go to Guinness and you know dig through the archives and find out like what you know what was the advertising campaign but what kicked it off in Germany that's what I would love to know more about so
3: Good so question. anyone German then, listening
2: let us know well and then I kind of want to know what made
3: them revive it in like the yeah. 1950s like what like what why? why did they yeah. pick that I mean yeah. it just seems very interesting mm-hmm. yeah
2: absolutely and so also
4: yes. on German on German unification like when Bismarck yeah. was like let's all come together and we'll be one yeah. family and it's like why did this why, why did all this the why did all the northern point? northern states yeah. agree to it yeah yeah exactly. we have a lot of why, questions
1: yeah we do have a lot of questions and why did bavaria even make it like a condition for reunification i mean yeah. why was it that important yeah i don't absolutely. get it
2: absolutely absolutely why can you still go like, to a shop in munich on a sunday that's a whole other question oh, but, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But they you well, can
4: drink at yeah. Oktoberfest on a Sunday, though, just in case anybody's <laughs> there on a yes. Sunday. You can get beer. You're fine. That, All good.
1: This is the real knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to help. <laughs> okay. Well, let's leave it there then, friends. If anybody um, on Twitter or on Instagram or within our sort of podcast purview wants to help us out with some of our unanswered questions, Please send us an email at the beer thebeerladiespodcast oh, at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We're at beerladiespod um, and same on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook too. I think we're at beer Ladies Podcast on mm-hmm. Facebook. And um, you can buy us a beer at buy me a coffee forward slash beerladiespodcast. But yep, that's it for the Reinheitsgebot and it's an excellent marketing campaign. I guess that's, that's what we know it is now. It's really kind of just that since most beer is only ever made from four ingredients anyway all right thank you friends for for being here tonight and thank you at home for listening to the beer ladies podcast see you next time bye bye Bye.